You're listening to the Bethel Baptist Podcast. This recording is from our adult Sunday school class. Today's lesson is taught by Keith Wilkinson. All right, well, we'll get started here this morning. And um, just as an initial comment, I guess there are two handouts back there. I apologize for having two handouts, but we're kind of in between uh, sections in the book of James. So that's why the two we, uh, we're going to hopefully finish up uh, one section today and then move on to another section. But again, I'm really in no hurry. So <laughs> if we get through this last section or the first section, that's fine. Uh, we'll see what, what happens and how this goes. Uh, there's more discussion. We probably won't get through the, the uh, first se- uh, section here. Uh, the, the one we're going to start with is the one that has at the very top recap of James 1 to 12, chapter 1, verses 1 to 12, and then a little bit down, not quite halfway down, it says James chapter 1, verses 13 to 27, uh, where we're really talking about uh, verses 13 to 17, 13 to 18. Eighteen um, is kind of a transitional uh, verse there. But that's where we're at, and we've already talked about um, on that handout. <clears throat> we've already talked about points one and two, uh, not being deceived about temptation and not being deceived about who you are. And we're going to talk just a little bit about number two there um, very briefly and then move into not being deceived about who God is and take a look at that. Uh, before we get into those things, does anybody have any prayer requests? Sorry for my penmanship. I better use white there. And God Himself has their to save their lives and stuff to find out what what's underneath all the different hospitals and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just keep that whole <laughs> that whole situation in prayer. Obviously, there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of fake news out there as far as what really is going on over there. And so try to keep that all in perspective as yeah, well. Yeah, people are protesting. They don't have a clue right. what they're protesting. Right, yeah. They get their information from TikTok. Right. Yeah, if, anybody, um, if anybody's curious, uh, try not to spend too much time on this, but if anybody's curious, I would really recommend going and watching. Uh, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. But it is a, um, uh, sh- well, it's not short, an interview, um, I guess that's not the right word, what do you call it when somebody goes and does a presentation at a university, uh, like a lecture, uh, it's, but it's not really a lecture, whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> it's uh, Ben Shapiro, uh, who is a, a Jew, uh, uh, he's a devout Jew, um, and so he was at, I believe it was either Hartford, uh, Harvard or Yale uh Princeton, one of the Ivy League schools. I'm sure you can find it relatively easy uh, on on YouTube. But he's doing a basically it's a question and answer session that he is doing, and so uh, they have him. It would be like standing at one end of this table, and the person asking the question is at this end of the table, and they're facing each other. But the interesting thing is that he's talking about all the stuff that's going on in Israel right now. And 
the people that are coming up asking the questions by by far are all uh, pro Hamas type uh, people, and they hate the Jewish people. And there, you don't have to spend a lot of time watching it, but it's very informative in the sense that uh, you will see in this video where these people are asking questions and they have a completely different premise than what Ben Shapiro has. Uh, and I would argue that Ben Shapiro's uh, premise is, is certainly a biblical one, but also just a realistic, uh, realistic one. And uh, um, the other people that are asking, the pro-Hamas people, uh, their premise, it comes across very clearly that they, their premise is that Israel should not exist, period. There should be no Israel. Uh, Israel is the one that's ac actually occupying that land. And so, again, just from the understanding of world events, uh, world view, um, the understanding of how prominent those things are within the university system in this country, I, I think it's very informative. And again, Ben Shapiro, uh, I'm not discounting the fact that he's Jewish. Uh, my, my prayer is that he will someday have his eyes open to the truth of the gospel, as Paul was talking about this morning, and that he would become a believer. Uh, but at least he does have a, a worldview that is um, uh, uh, consistent with the biblical uh, worldview in the sense that uh, th that land belongs to the Jewish people. Um, so that's, yeah. It might, uh, might maybe it was Oxford. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of, I'm just trying to remember exactly how it was being handled. Um, uh, but I thought it was, uh, and I could be wrong. I thought it was like Harvard or, or Yale or whatever, but Uh, well, some of them now, you're having a lot of problems with that, right? Yeah, John. Yep. Oh, okay. Do you remember what day that was? It was this week. Okay. Yeah, right, yep. Okay. So, yeah, that would be another uh, another opportunity is the briefing, uh, which is by Dr. Moeller, uh, Albert Moeller. And so, uh, yeah, that would be another uh, a good thing to listen to, just in kind of having a, a good perspective on what's going on over there. So, okay. Yeah, it's not, not long. All right, any other prayer requests? Yeah, yeah. So Dick was the one that passed away? Okay. Do we know? Do we know where any of them stand? As far? No idea. Okay, sounds good. Okay, all right. Any other prayer requests? Yeah, Maggie. Oh, yeah. Yep.
Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Pray for that family. That's a, a very difficult thing uh, for families to get through. Um, you know, as people here have, have known families in the past and have dealt with that, it is extremely difficult. Uh, I was sharing with somebody uh, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, when I was a sophomore in high school, I, I wasn't a believer uh, by by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, yeah, yeah, there was a, uh, a freshman in high school that was on the swim team with me, and he uh, ended up drowning after practice one day. And uh, just the impact um, that that has on the rest of the student body, and we're talking about kids that are much older than what Joel's you know, student body would be, it's very tough. And it really, uh, a lot of those kids, they're gonna adjust to that in many different ways. As many kids as you have that are impacted by that, there's probably gonna be that many different adjustments uh, as well as a family. Uh, it's just, with Joel? Yeah, Joel, um, was that, is that a Providence that he goes to school? Classical conversations, yeah. He had kind of a freak accident, uh, ended up uh, uh, dying. And so now just kind of the whole thing with his family and, um, you know, moving through this, the whole thing with the school and the student body there dealing with all of that, uh, it's a tough thing. And really, we talked about this last time, too, with, um, you know, and it kind of sounds weird, but pray for protection over those kids in the sense of they will be... Um, yeah, they they will be <laughs> uh, presented with all kinds of quote unquote counseling opportunities, and some of those counseling opportunities are not good. They're just not, and so I would pray for the protection of those kids over that kind of counseling that is very psychologized, uh, very worldly, and um, can actually do more damage than it does any good. And so, you know, pray pray for the. The, the the kids uh in the family in that way as well so yeah good any other prayer requests all right let's pray for these things i'll pray for these and then we'll get back into uh, the study father we thank you for giving us this opportunity uh, today to uh, get back into the book of james and, and look at some of these uh, critical aspects of the christian life as you so graciously present to us uh, through james and uh, certainly, Lord, we, we do lift up these prayer requests that have been presented. We think about the situation in Israel, and we know that things are all, all, they're always moving forward in your way, in your time. Uh, and uh, what's going on over there is no different. Uh, uh, we know that we are increasingly, increasingly getting closer and closer to your return. And so may we be mindful of that as we think about that situation Pray that the truth goes forward, that we know there's uh, certainly in this country uh, a bias against Israel. 
And so uh, we would ask that people would uh, do their research, they would uh, get good information, that they would uh, pair that uh, or, or uh, compare that to what we see in Scripture. And uh, we know that you have a plan for the people of Israel, and uh, we know that that is moving forward. So continue to watch over them. And certainly, Lord, we pray that the, the gospel goes forth in Israel and um, many would be saved even uh, in, the, in the midst of this tragedy that's going on. We do pray for this family uh, uh, that uh, Ann mentioned, uh, uh, Dick, and uh, just the uh, kind of the unexpected uh, death here, um, and certainly him passing away without the rest of the the family being able to be there and say goodbye, all those things. We don't know where the family stands uh, in their relationship to you. We pray for their salvation if they're not believers. And if they are believers, we certainly pray that others would come alongside them to encourage them through this time of, of grieving. And so uh, uh, watch over them, protect them. Uh, and certainly, again, if they are not believers, we pray that uh, the death of their father would um, uh, make them think about their own mortality and uh, that that would be used to uh, uh, provide this open door for the gospel and that that would be proclaimed. And we do lift up not only the family of Joel, but all the kids at school that have been impacted by his death. And uh, kind of as I mentioned a minute ago, we pray, Lord, that uh, some of the counseling that these kids get is is not according to Scripture. And so uh, in those occurrences, I do pray for protection over those kids. I pray for protection over the adults that get that counseling. I pray that the truth of God would uh, come forth in, uh, in different ways as people minister to those families and, and those kids. And certainly, Lord, uh, even in the midst of that tragedy, we would also ask that there is opportunity here for the gospel to go forth. Uh, think about the reference in, in Luke chapter 13, where we have the, uh, these people that were killed by Pilate and the Tower of Siloam that fell on others. And uh, just a real stark reminder that death is inevitable. It's coming to everybody. And uh, we need to be prepared for that day, uh, young and old alike. And so um, may that be on our hearts and minds, and may we continue to lift up these kids and uh, the families as uh, the days, the weeks, and the months go forward. And uh, we ask those things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so let's get back into James. And we're going to take a look at uh, verses 13 to uh, 18, 13 to 17, 18. I'll read through those verses, do a little bit of a recap on some of the things that we talked about in points one and two, and then really move on to point number three. I want to uh, get at that really. Um, uh, hopefully will go well with what uh, Paul Tauges was talking about in his sermon, uh, the this high view of who God is, understanding that... Uh, uh, this is the God who has transferred us. If we're a believer, this is the God who's transferred us from the realm of darkness to the realm of light, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And so uh, we want to make sure we have a full understanding of who this God 
truly is. And there's different aspects that we can talk about. So let's take a look at James chapter 1, starting in verse 13. It says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. And we'll stop there as far as the verses. We'll come back and go forward if we make it to uh, the next uh, section. But I, I mentioned uh, in the outline there, the key is, uh, is verse 16 where he's talking about do not be deceived. Do not be deceived about what? Do not be deceived about temptation. Do not be deceived about who you are. And do not be deceived about who God is. Those are three things that really stand out in that section. And we want to uh, really evaluate those things as we look at that section. I already talked about we don't want to be deceived about evil. And even um, part of t the talk in point one there about not being deceived about temptation really does play into point number three about not being deceived about who God is. Uh, we see there that we have to have the right understanding that God does not tempt anybody. And we talked about how uh, there is no darkness in him at all. Uh, there's no evil in him at all. He's not associated with evil in any way, any shape or form. And we, I, I mentioned uh, the first John 1, 5. Uh, where it talks about there is no darkness in him at all. And the reference there is that there is no sin in him at all. In fact, the, the, the kind of tenor of that verse is that it is impossible for there to be any darkness in him at all. Uh, he is completely contrary to that. Um, he is pure. He is, he is lovely. He is kind. He's gentle. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's all of those things, right? And so he does not tempt us. Uh, the idea that he would tempt us carries the idea that somehow he is lacking in something. He's lacking in some enjoyment that he's missing out because he's not tempting us. He's missing out on something because we're not doing evil, which then would fulfill whatever desire he may have, which is unthinkable. Again, it's just contrary to all these things we see in the scriptures about who he is. And again, this idea that if he were to tempt people, I mentioned this last time, um, and hopefully this doesn't shock people, <laughs> but uh, the idea that he tempts people, or some people would say that he tempts, uh, tempts others, uh, the idea that he would tempt anybody puts him on the same level as the devil. Right? The devil is the one who tempts people, not God. Right? That's, that's the job of the devil. And so when things happen or when we fall into temptation, we have to be very careful to not attribute that to God. He does not do that. Uh, he cannot do that. He cannot do that because of who he is. And then oh, we talked a little bit about point number two, about who you, uh, we need to be or, or make sure that we're not deceived about who we are. Um, 
Uh, we need to know how vulnerable we are when it comes to um, temptation. We're all going to be tempted, and we're all prone to giving in to those temptations. None of us are immune from those things. Uh, and those things are driven forward by our own lusts. And that's why James, I mentioned, he uses this, um, this kind of picture or imagery of uh, pregnancy, right? Uh, talks in verse 15, then when lust has conceived, right, it gets, right, we have this desire, and that desire is carried forward. And just like in pregnancy, it, it attaches itself and it grows, right? And then eventually it gives birth. And we mentioned here the, the disaster part of what we're seeing here. It gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, that would be the, the birth part of it, if you, if you want to carry that analogy forward. It brings forth death. And that is completely the opposite of the goodness of God in child-rearing, and that child-rearing brings forth life, right? That's the goodness that God gives to humanity, uh, but with, when it comes to sin, it does not bring forward, forth any good thing, right? It brings forth just more, uh, more darkness, if you will. And so that's where we uh, had talked about those things. Again, understanding temptation, uh, see if I can get through to uh, understanding who we are. And uh, there's one thing I did want to present because somebody had asked about it. Uh, this here, uh, kind of the, attributed to the understanding who we are in this downward spiral that moves uh, forward with our lust uh, in, in the sense of verse 15 there, uh, lust conceiving and then giving birth. Uh, kind of the growing aspect of that, and then resulting in uh, sin being accomplished and it bringing forth death is this little downward spiral uh, thing that we can think about in our own lives, how this plays out in our own lives. Uh, it starts out with a desire. And again, I mentioned there, you see it on the, on the board, desire is really spiritually and morally neutral. Uh, it begins as an emotion, a feeling, or a longing for something. It could be something as simple as I just want to eat food. I'm hungry, right? That's not a bad desire. That is neither morally good or morally bad. It just is. Uh, but uh, if we uh, take that to an extreme or we desire food so much that we get to the point where we think we have to have food, uh, in, in certain situations, I hear that all the time in America, uh, I, I'm, I'm starving. Uh, nobody in this room is starving, <laughs> right? Um, that's just not the reality. And so uh, we, we, we get to deception, uh, a, rationalize, a ras rationalization or rationalizing uh, a justification for getting it, right? That's when we start to let it take control. That's where it kind of is the implanting uh, type of thing. Uh, it's uh, think, you know, I'm, I'm hungry. You know what? I'm really hungry. I got to go get something to eat like right now. <laughs> uh, and not just something. I, I want to go to the, the Golden Corral, right? And uh, I'm going to spend all afternoon at the Golden Corral because I paid whatever the price is there. I'm going to get my money's worth, right? Uh, type of thing. So now uh, that deception is setting in and we're designing how we're going to go about doing it. 
Um, and we can do that in many different ways. That design is just planning how we're going to go about getting it. Um, you know, maybe uh, maybe I know that I don't I don't have the um, uh, the funds, right? Uh, I don't have twenty dollars in my pocket to go over there. In fact, our budget's tight, and I don't have twenty dollars to spend on going out to eat at all. But I've got a credit card. That's not that big of a deal. It's only twenty bucks, right? Now I'm starting to I'm planning how I'm going to make this thing happen. And really, in that situation, you're compounding two things. I'm letting the sin, uh, my desire for food, control me, but I'm also ignoring all the things that I've set aside with just being a wise steward of money. And so the, the, the plan can get quite complicated. My design can be quite complicated. It's amazing how fast we can come up with those things, too. It doesn't take us long to formulate that plan, right? That's all part of the... Um, the temptation uh, that's part of understanding that we're very good at moving that uh, that desire along and, and moving it along along in a sinful way and the, then the the last part of that downward spiral is disobedience it's carrying through on the plan we're just acting on this this uh, this lust that we have this inner desire we have to satisfy ourselves with something outside of God's God's plan or God's will. Uh, I'm no longer concerned about God's will. I really don't care about God's will. I'm going to, to have this thing. And that's why I mentioned in number two there, we've got to be very careful because that transition into sin can happen very quickly. And, and a lot of times what happens there is, is again, when we uh, are getting to that that point where we're going to carry it out, the disobedience, we have now reached that point where we have this attitude, I'm going to sin to get it, or I'm going to sin if I can't have it. Right? Somebody tells you, no, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have that thing. And our heart attitude is, by golly, I'm gonna have that thing, and I'm gonna figure out a way to get it, one way or another. And that's that really is just all that's going on in our heart, uh, and that's where we we get into a very uh, a very man centered uh, uh, concept of living. Uh, the world is all about me, and so as we think about not being deceived about who we are, we need to understand how easy it is to transition into that, to transition away from being concerned about God's will for my life to saying, I really don't care about God's will. I want this thing, whatever that thing may be, right? And now it's all about me being pleased, me being satisfied. And the idea that I think that these things can satisfy me apart from God, right? Because ultimately God's not part of any of that. And so we need to be, again, have this realistic understanding about who we are, and making sure that we don't get into that those those attitudes that somehow this thing is now controlling me and I have to have this thing and somehow it's going to satisfy my life. There is no earthly thing that will ever satisfy us. None. All right? And, and yeah, Mel. So what you're saying, what I'm hearing is, so correct me if I'm wrong, the desire is neutral until we demand it. 
Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Uh, Mel's just saying desire is, is okay until we uh, demand it. Now, one caveat maybe there would be there are some, when we talk about desires, we have to be somewhat careful in saying any desire, right? Um, because the desire for relationships can be um, morally neutral, right? Uh, you think about uh, a young man or a young woman, uh, they, they're, uh, their 20s, and, and uh, the, uh, the young man says, I would, I would like to be married. I would like to have a wife, and I would like to start a family. That is, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, um, uh, the, the Bible would back that up. The problem is if his desire immediately is that, you know, kind of the, uh, I'm going to marry the next girl that walks by, <laughs> right, kind of a thing. And right, he is a Christian, and the next girl that walks by is not a Christian, and he's just going to marry this person anyway, right? Now this desire to be married at all costs, uh, that initial desire is, is, is not morally neutral. That has now transitioned to being morally negative or morally bad, right? Uh, so we, we, a little bit of a caveat to what Mel was saying. Uh, but in general, uh, again, to uh, to want to have, uh, uh, again, if a young lady wants to be married, have a husband, that is not a horrible, that's not a, a sinful thing. A young man that wants to be married to a, a godly young lady, that is not a sinful thing, right? Uh, th that is morally neutral. Yeah, Gary. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Like Gary's example about kind of wanting to move up, or uh, you know, in the, in the the working world, again, there um, certain jobs. You know, having a job, uh, God has designed us to be workers. Uh, we see that in in the garden. Um, so there was work that was given to mankind prior to sin. And so work then is part of the expected um, pattern for us post-garden. There's no, nothing in the scriptures that would say that um, the design to work has been taken away, right? So um, that, that would just be part of, of life. And so the, the desire to move up, so to speak, um, there's nothing necessarily sinful about that desire uh, to have a promotion to, and again, um, uh, to have a promotion that pays more. Now, if our, our whole goal is just to get more money, uh, working you know, three jobs, uh, that type of thing, and, and we're, um, you know, it's the old, what is it, was it Howard Hughes or one of them that said how much is enough? And his comment was one more dollar. Um, you know, is always wanting one more dollar. Uh, whether you're never satisfied. Um, again, something like that, our contentment then is in, 
uh, resources or, or uh, material possessions not in, in the Lord. Uh, but uh, again, just uh, uh, wanting to do better, there's nothing wrong with that, nothing inherently sinful about that. Uh, but it can, be, it can be in the sense of what we're willing to do to move that along or what we think we need to do to move that along. So uh, I think here's a, an example of that. Say there's a person, that a, a believer, they have a wife and they have uh, uh, young children at home, uh, even teenage children at home. And they are now approached by their employer and we will give you this promotion and it includes a really nice uh, pay increase, but uh, you're going to be required to travel and you're going to have to travel uh, two to three weeks out of every month. You will not be home. You're flying across the country or wherever, uh, staying in hotels and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, should a Christian uh, uh, man take that position? No. Because we know that in taking that position, he has to neglect his family, which is a God-given responsibility. He has to neglect his church, which is a God-given responsibility. And he is neglecting his God-given responsibility to encourage other believers, to be around other believers, to do the one another commands that are clearly dictated in Scripture. He is easily violating three clear commands of Scripture, and, and probably more, but at least those three. And so, again, his desire to have a different job or to move up and all that is not necessarily sinful, but now if he's willing to go to the extreme of saying, I'm going to give up biblical responsibilities to have this job, now that thing is controlling him. He's, he's sinning in doing that thing. Um, so, yeah, there's all kinds of examples uh, we could bring up. I think the last time I brought up uh, certainly the, the, the example of seminary, people going to seminary, and how that can be easily, easily be sinful. It happens all the time. Again, a, a man thinks he's called a seminary. Uh, his wife is not convinced that that's what should happen. And he says, we are going to seminary. And he's dragging her and the kids to seminary. They don't even have to get to seminary before that's sinful. It's sinful at the point that he's made the decision that we're going to seminary. I don't care whether you like it or not, we're going to seminary. All right? That is sinful. Um, we know that because Genesis 2.24 calls the man and the woman to be one flesh. There needs to be an agreement on those things. And I can guarantee you, if he's called to seminary, she will gladly go along. Right? That's reality. Uh, the, uh, the God of the universe is not going to call him to seminary and have her going, I don't want to go. It's not going to happen. Right? They're one flesh. Why would God, who calls us to be one flesh, now have things going on in each person that is pulling them apart? That makes no sense, right? But we justify those things in many different ways. And so we have to be very careful um, with those kinds of things. That makes sense? We're all tracking there? All right, good. So that really, you know, again, uh, number two there, we just have to be careful about who we are 
And then uh, getting back to some of the things we've talked about, point number three there, we don't want to be deceived about uh, who God is. We want to understand or fully understand who God is. It's critical that we do that as believers. And that's what James is, is really challenging uh, these people to do. And again, it's really important to think about that in, in the sense of the situation these people are in. They're not in their homeland. Uh, there's severe persecution going on. And there's a lot of a doubt maybe about this whole thing with Christianity, the possibility that they think God has abandoned them. Uh, again, this real tie to not being in their land. They're not in their land anymore. And that's, that was the promise to Abraham. This land was promised to them. And so we get, and that happens in our life. Things don't go well. Uh, you think we, even in our prayer requests, um, it would be very easy. Uh, Ann mentioned uh, the passing of Dick and his family not being there. And uh, even in that, even something that, don't get me wrong, I say as simple as that, I'm not making light of the death of this man, but um, people can have the attitude that um, um, how, why, why wouldn't God spare his life until I got there? I, I just wanted to see my dad one more time, right? Or this young young uh, boy who passed away. How is it that, um, you know, he's passed away before his parents, right? They're kind of what we see as the unnatural process of life. Um, why take him? He did nothing wrong. Uh, all of those things come into people's hearts and minds. And... And again, I'm not saying that people are doing things maliciously, but that ultimately is how some of those things come out, is that this is unfair. And that is an indictment against God, that somehow God's not in control. God doesn't really understand. Uh, if God was loving and kind and compassionate, he would have not let that happen. You know, all of those things we have to be careful about all of those things show that we, we don't really have a right understanding of God. And again, we, we have to be careful in some of these circumstances because uh, we're, we're not, we're not going to go to a family member at, that, uh, at the school. We're not going to go to those parents who are grieving. And we're not going to, you know, they're telling us about how they're trying to deal with this. And our response is not going to be, well, you just need to understand God better. Right? That's the worst thing you can do, right? We're not going to say that. Um, and, and so we have to be very careful on how we can direct or, or correct people back into a right understanding. Sometimes that's easy to do. Sometimes that's very difficult to do. Very difficult. I mean, you think about some of the, 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 the worst things that happen in life uh, to people and trying to move them along to have a, a right understanding of who God is and how easy it can transition into not having a right understanding of who God is, right? You think about um, um, uh, teenage girls that get in situations where uh, things happen to them that are horrific and, and uh, um, they think that God has abandoned them. And we know that God has not abandoned them. Right? Um, how do we go about saying those things to them? How do we go about gently bringing them back uh, to a proper understanding of 
the world in a biblical context and what has happened to them, right? And, and that could be young young girls, young boys. Um, again, down down at the prison down there, that is um, that is one that, well, that is the primary uh, prison for uh, sex offenders. And I mean, you there's story after story there that's horrific uh, of these men that um, had horrific things happen to them as young boys or teenagers. And so, again, that's difficult. How do we present the gospel to them in a way and tell them that we serve a loving, kind, compassionate God? They don't see it that way at all, right? So those are things that uh, we have to, we wrestle with. But ultimately, we've got to come back to what the scriptures say. What does the scripture say about who God is? And here in James, it's clear. He tells us there in verse 17 and 18, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Talking about God. That is the the being that we're dealing with. Uh, There is no no one else that is giving us good things, right? In, In the sense of heavenly reality. Uh, the good that he's talking about, there are things that are worthy of admiration. Um, they're good just because it's kind, of its kind. It's good because of the one who's giving it. That That's critical. right? We think about so many, uh, so many people in this world that we call good because they give millions of dollars to, you know, whatever. I always use Bill Gates. I, I should find a different example. But he's just so easy to pick on um, in the sense that, you know, he'll give millions and millions and millions of dollars to a school district uh, to uh, have new, new uh, uh, computers in the classroom that all use Microsoft, whatever. Well, uh, I mean, it's just a, a, a brilliant marketing scheme is all it is, right? You give a school district millions of dollars in computers, but what do they have to do every so often? Yeah, they've got to upgrade. And what do they have to upgrade with? Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. They're spending millions and millions of dollars. They're pumping it right back into Microsoft. Right? So we say, oh, man, that's that's really good. Uh, no, not really. And it's primarily it's not good because of who the giver is. He's not good, right? And so we have to be mindful of that. John? I would just ask, how much of that is tax Oh, absolutely. Bingo. Yeah, bingo. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a good point, John. It's, yeah, it's a, no, that's a great point. It's exactly it. What's the motivation of a, a person's heart when they, they do those things? We have to be careful with those. But James is telling us here, uh, again, we need to understand that God is the one who is good. Uh, he is the one who is perfect. Um, and so that's why James is pointing this out. Uh, every good thing and every perfect gift is from above. It's from God. And it is that way because He is that way. Uh, he is good. He is perfect. Right? And then, then it, it follows. Coming down from the Father of lights, obviously God, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Again, there is no uh, um, 
there's no wavering in God. We don't have to worry about him being one way today and being another way tomorrow. Uh, right? He is the same uh, today, yesterday, and forever. That is the God that we need to understand, or we need to understand that about God. Uh, he is kind, he's gracious, he's compassionate. Uh, kind of what uh, Paul had me read out of Psalm 103. Right? Those things are stark when you think about different examples in Scripture where some of those things come through. Um, one of the things that I thought about with uh, uh, that section of Scripture, that he's kind, he's compassionate, you know, he's long-suffering, all that stuff, is, is Jonah. In chapter 4 of Jonah, Jonah says that, right? In the midst of Jonah's frustration, <laughs> in the midst of his just complete anger at God for saving the Ninevites, he recites the characteristics of God. And it's all that he's kind, he's compassionate, he's long-suffering, Right? All true things. Uh, Jonah doesn't necessarily make the connection, but it's just, it's great there. Yeah, Gary. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, that's, that's a great point Gary's making. Uh, the understanding, again, as we think about who God is, He is always there and ready to restore, um, regardless of the circumstances that are going on in our life. And that's why I, I you know, people kind of, um, I don't know, uh, maybe, well, let me just say it this way. I, I have an appreciation, a deep appreciation for Matthew 18. Right? When you look at verses 10 through 17, 10 through 18, um, really because verses 15, 16, and 17, uh, we, we always talk in, in the church, not, not this church, just the church in general, uh, we always talk in the sense of uh, church discipline, right? That's the phrase that, that's used there, but really it's church restoration, right? That's the whole goal of 15, 16, and 17, is trying to restore a believer that is, is wandering, which is right from the character of God, right? That's what he's wanting to do. Uh, and that's why that is so important. Uh, again, as we kind of went through some of that with Matthew 18, and we're talking about sin a while back, uh, that's why that is so important that we keep that in mind as we live the Christian life, because that is Jesus's first instruction to the church prior to the existence of the church. He's telling the church how to behave when it comes to dealing with sin. And the church isn't even around yet. I mean, it's amazing. And and so as we think about that, we need to, uh, and that, that, goes, that all goes with what Paul was talking about this morning. That is all gospel-centered, right? And that, that's really kind of in the, 
uh, Matthew 18, verses 22 through the end of the chapter, where we're talking about the unforgiving servant, right? Because he doesn't understand forgiveness. And so we understand that God uh, is the great forgiver. <laughs> uh, he forgives uh, uh, in an unlimited way, right? He, he forgives lavishly. He forgives repeatedly. And he forgives unlimited in, in an unlimited way. Right, there's no limit. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a graphic picture, or should be a graphic picture, graphic illustration for us as we think about those things. So. Yeah, that's why, uh, again, uh, this proper understanding of, uh, of who God is, is is very important, right? And so um, uh, when it talks here about coming uh, down from above, it's talking about coming from the origination point. There, there's no other place it can come from, right? Uh, that does not come from any place here on earth. So we think about having good things, again, James is making it clear. You can't attribute that to anything here on earth. It only comes from above. It comes from God. And he's wanting them to understand that. Um, and again, it's coming down. So it's from above, it's coming down, and it um, uh, carries this idea that there's no one else over us. Right? That, that God's protection, uh, yeah, God's protection in a sense, we have to see that. God's protection is over us, right? That, that's what he's wanting them to understand. They're in this difficult situation. They're wandering about. They're outside of their homeland. Many of them have lost everything. And it's kind of easy to cash the chips in. Life is over. Uh, uh, my life is meaningless. I should just give in. I should give up. Uh, no one cares about me. You know, all, all those things, right? Um, and James is telling them, no, that's not the case. Uh, you do need to understand who God is. He is protecting you. He is taking care of you. You need to understand that his plan is moving forward. It's moving forward perfectly. And that's why he refers to, again, the Father of light. Psalm 136, 7 says, To him who made the great lights, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Again, this reference to God, uh, God the Father. That's who he wants the, the people here to see. That's who James wants us to see, right? Is that our, uh, is, is that our view of God? Is that our perspective of God, regardless of the circumstances? Now, there could be somebody in here this morning that's going through horrific things, things I have no knowledge of, right? And could be having some of those thoughts. Um, you know, God has kind of abandoned me. God is really not taking care of me. Um, God is, is uh, given up on me, kind of as Gary mentioned. And that's where we need to come back and have this view of God and again go back to what I mentioned about uh, 1 John 1.5. There is no darkness in him at all. And we know that because it's impossible for there to be darkness in him. 
in any form or fashion. Right? So we, we need to be mindful of that. One thing that's uh, kind of interesting, we think about all these things, not being deceived about temptation, not being deceived about who we are, and then not being deceived about who God is. Um, I think there's an interesting structure here that we see as we go through verses, um, really 13 through 17, or, or verses 13 and 17. Um, uh, so verse 13, where it says, let no one say when he is tempted. Uh, so it's this negative statement about who God is not, right? God is not this this way. But then in verse 17, we see this positive statement about who God is, right? So there's a contrast there, negative statement in 13 and a positive statement in uh, 17. Uh, God is unchanging. He's steady. He's the giver of good. There's no darkness in him. In verse 13, you have a positive statement about who we are, we're liars, we're blame shifters, we're deceived. That's who we are, right? In 17, we see the negative statement by implication, who we are not. We are not inherently good. We are not inherently the givers of good. Uh, we are typically flaky, uh, meaning that we're constantly changing. Just the opposite of God, right? So that goes back to point number two. So as we see these things about God, we understand who God is, but it also helps clarify who we are. Those things are just tied together. Uh, God does not change. We're, <laughs> we're always changing, <laughs> uh, and usually not for the good. Uh, and, and that's just reality. That's who we are, and that's why we need this God in heaven, this unchanging, compassionate, loving God in heaven uh, to provide that to us because we're not capable of doing that ourselves. We're not capable of being unchanging. We're not capable of always being loving, always being kind, always being long-suffering, right? Uh, we need God to, to help us in those ways, right? Um, and so again, by thinking that God tempts anyone, uh, really turns everything on its head. It just gets everything upside down. And we need to make sure that we don't do that. Um, we need to understand who he is and what his desires are so that we align our desires with his desires. Uh, it's very important that we think about that. Uh, again, verses 13 and 14 tell us who we are. And verse 17 tells us who God really is and what and who we should desire. If we desire God and the things of God, uh, then our desires are going to align with his will and uh, keep us out of trouble, if you will. Uh, that's that's what we want to be mindful of uh, as we think about that. I don't think I have this quote in here. Uh, no, I don't. Um, uh, MacArthur writes this. He says, when we as, as God's children are so abundantly and continually showered with the most gracious, valuable, and satisfying blessings our Heavenly Father can bestow, why should anything... Why should anything evil have the slightest attraction to us? So again, that's just a, a way for evaluating our hearts. Uh, God is perfect. Uh, that is the that is who we should desire. We should again, we should desire the things of God, and because of that, all of the evil that's in the world should have no appeal to us at all. So that sets up again where our hearts need to be focused. 
if we understand who God is, that should drive our hearts to desire Him and the things of God. And so we need to be mindful of that as we just go day by day, right? In the in the in the simplest things. Um, uh, again, you you think about um, 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 stay-at-home moms, right? So that can be a battlefield, <laughs> um, depending on what's going on. That can be a battlefield. And you, you counsel couples and you hear a mom say something like, oh, maybe I just need to, um, uh, whether it's put the kids in school or get them in daycare or whatever, and I need to go into the working world and things like that, uh, that would be an easier thing for me to do. That is just losing focus on what God has given you and the responsibility God has given you. And seeing his blessing as, uh, yeah, as a negative, right? Uh, somehow that's not the thing that I should be doing. And society is really good at telling us not to do those things, right? <laughs> You're crazy for doing that. You should, you know, just put them in daycare, just go get a job, uh, build up your self-esteem, uh, all those things. Those are lies. Those are lies. That's not, that's not what God would have you think, and that's not what God would have you desire, right? And so we've got to make sure that our heart is connected with, what, uh, with who God is and what his desire is for our life. And he's laid out those things clearly in Scripture. And so we just need to be mindful of those things. So, again, have this proper understanding of, um, of who God is. And again, we can ask the question, how do we know whether something is good and perfect and is from above? How would you answer that? How do we know? Joe? Glorifies him. Glorifies him. That's a great answer. Yeah. Is this thing, uh, um, is this thing glorifying to him? Can I use this thing to glorify him? How can I glorify him through this thing? I mean, it's all those things, right? How else? That's a great answer, glorifying, uh, being able to glorify God. How else do we know whether something is, uh, is good and perfect and is from above? Kenny? If we can qualify it through Scripture. If we can qualify it through Scripture. Okay. What Were you going to say something else? Chapter oh. and verse. Oh, chapter and verse. I'm just saying, if it's written down, then this is okay. what to do. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I would uh, argue we need to be able to, Try to back some of these things up with scripture, right? I mean, this this one's a little tougher, maybe, um, in the sense that uh, I have, let's say, arbitrarily, let's say, hypothetically, let's say I've got the uh, I've got the funds. I can go out and buy a brand new, uh, whatever, fifty thousand dollar car. Uh, they even sell for fifty thousand. I mean, is that the minimum? Whatever. I don't even know. <laughs> um, let's let hypothetically, I have the money to go do that, and I go, um, I go uh, buy that car, and I say, "Wow, what a good and perfect gift from God." Is it a perfect, uh, good and a uh, good gift from God? We're, that's something we have debate on here. What? Depends on what you do with it, um, and you can have varying opinions in the sense that, uh, Paul. I would say, what was your reasoning for buying 
Okay, yeah, reason was my heart motivation for buying it, right? Should it, could I have gotten something a little cheaper? Uh, in, in, the, in that sense, it's uh, uh, something else that would be just as usable, right, all those things. Um, so this is where we can have discussions on some of these things that maybe aren't quite so clear. Now, personally, I would say that that purchase would be sinful. And here's why it's sinful, in my estimation. And again, this is where we have discussions um, on some of these things that maybe aren't quite so clear. But going out and buying a $50,000 new vehicle, to me, is sinful because once you drive it off the lot, it has just lost five or $10,000 of value. Why would I just give away an extra five or $10,000 for nothing? Right now, the other side of the argument is going to be, well, I have a warranty, right? <laughs> right? And so that's where some of these things maybe aren't quite so clear cut, right? Uh, so for one person, that could be a wonderful gift from God. It could be a good thing, and maybe it is. Uh, for the other person, yeah, maybe not, right? And so we have to be careful. Yeah, Todd. <laughs> right. Right, yeah, yeah. So, right, yeah, wisdom call, right? And so we have to be careful with some of those things. Um, uh, it kind of in the sense of kind of what Ken was mentioning here, to be able to go to kind of book, chapter, and verse. And part of what he's saying is played out by like what Paul said, uh, what's the motivation for going to get, or what am I going to use it for, right? If, if I'm, uh, you know, using it to have drag races with the neighbor, uh, not really sure there's much of a godly purpose in that, um, that type of thing. So anyway, so we've got to be careful about those things. It may be a, a good way to say it. How do we know if something is good and perfect and is from above? If it draws us away from God or from what God has called us to do, then it's not from God. That's just maybe a little bit simpler way, right? So if it draws us away from God or from what God has called us to do, then it's not from God, right? And so we can think about all these examples really just kind of in that context. Uh, and again, that's where our focus has to be on uh, the Lord, what his will is for my life, what he's called me to do, the things he's clearly called me to do. And sometimes those things are spelled out clearly in Scripture. I mentioned uh, the moms. I think there's clear instruction in Scripture for those things. Um, and when we decide that we don't want to do those things, uh, we desire something else, that thing is no longer from God. And so we have to be careful with those things. And, and you know, certainly you can think about some examples. Um, uh, people who win the lottery, um, <laughs> that is something that obviously draws you away from the Lord, um, as clearly it does. Uh, you, you look at the lottery winners over time, it's one disaster after another. And so uh, I think that just speaks for itself. Um, I, I always go back to, again, the, uh, uh, the seminary degree. Um, uh, again, there was a person that I knew in seminary who was pursuing his doctorate, and uh, they were in their early 40s at the time. Um, they had met later in life, and so they became married, obviously, later in life. Uh, she knew the, uh, the biological clock was ticking, desperately wanted to have children. And uh, he kept saying, 
as soon as I get my degree, we'll have children. That is clearly sinful. Clearly sinful. Right? That's how easy, though, it can be to justify those things. And, uh, you know, it, it sounds so good to so many people. Oh, wow, this man's pursuing his doctorate. Yet the whole time his wife is just dying. Right? That is not godly. Right? Um, so, again, we think about those things, uh, and it comes down to evaluating what our priorities are. And so we, we look, again, what God's will is um, um, for, for our life. Um, I, th I do think there's an encouraging aspect in, in verse 17. Again, God is the giver of good, and he has our best in mind, which then leads us into verse 18. Uh, verse 18 there, uh, he says, In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures, which is what Paul was talking about again. The exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. What's the word of truth? The gospel. He brought us forth unto salvation for a purpose, for a reason. And he's telling these people that are out wandering around uh, outside of their land, all their possessions have been taken away, being persecuted, that there is a purpose he brought them forth. And they need to be mindful of that. That's part of understanding who God is, right? We need to understand that. And it's really a transition into the next part, which we're not going to start today. <laughs> uh, we'll come back to that next time. Yeah, Mel. So James 1, he's talking about trials. Yep, right? yep. And if I read my Bible correctly, again, correct me if I'm wrong, God tells us the purpose, which is, you know, the what, and he yeah. tells us the who, who yeah. he is. Yep. He never tells us the why and the how. And I think that's um, why we get hung up. I mean, oh. personally. Oh, I see. Yeah, personally. personally. How and why, like, so trials. You experience trials. Yeah. And yep. we want to focus on who God is and what he's doing. He's got a purpose in it. Yeah. And we get hung up on the why, God. Oh, right. How, God. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, the uh, Mel's making a good point here. Uh, he's not telling us the why. Why are these things happening? Um, and that can happen in our own lives. We don't know why things happen. Um, uh, sometimes we don't. We do find them out maybe way down the road, right? But in the immediate sense, yeah, you're right. We don't know, right? And that that's where it becomes difficult in some of the ministry things to uh, counsel people in different situations where they're really going through some horrific things because that's the thing they want to know that's one of the, right that's one of the common questions why why is this happening to me and many right yeah and so that's why we've got to be careful in those things right we just don't know those things and that's why we come back to those promises yeah in verses uh you know one through 12 there one through 13 uh whatever we're, we're dealing with um uh trials uh, the trials are a reality. Uh, what do we need to be focused on as we're going through trials? And we're dealing with temptation. Two things that they're struggling with mightily are the people that James is writing to. They're struggling, struggling with this stuff. And he's trying to bring them back kind of to center, if you will. Yeah, 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 exactly. Keeping things in perspective. So we need to be mindful of that. Somebody had a, uh, Todd, you had a question? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 One clarification I would uh, make there again, I'm not picking on you, just would be, uh, it, you know, that that would be it's not some hope, it's all hope, right? It's all, it's all hope. Because it's grounded in who God is, right? And when everything's grounded in the Lord, uh, that's where all of our hope comes from. That's where all of our hope is uh, attached. Uh, again, so that's why it's it's good. He tells us what, in a general sense, what that the purpose is for. Uh, the why is our sanctification. Uh, the specific things we don't always know. So, uh, you know, say, uh, um, I mean, here's again, some of these are not. They're not always tidy. They're not, not always clearly packaged things, right? So you have someone, uh, a, a lady who uh, has a miscarriage. And uh, again, those are horrific things to think about or for women to go through. Um, but down the road now, uh, this uh, Christian lady is, is uh, um, uh, this has been years since that's happened. Uh, they've, they have a family now. And they are now introduced to a young married woman who's going just had a miscarriage. Uh, who do you pair that young lady with, with that older woman who's been through that and has now, she has the experience of walking through that. She is qualified. She has been trained, in a sense, to minister to that young lady. Right? Yeah. Way more than some, you know, this young lady coming down and sitting in a pastor's office. Right? Again, that's not a bad thing. It's just this other lady is much more qualified uh, to minister to that young lady, right? So those things, again, we may not know those things until years down the road. Uh, so uh, we, 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 those things we don't know in the immediate sense, but we always want to be mindful of, of uh, uh, how God can move those things along. So let's take encouragement from what uh, James write, uh, writes there in verse 18. And that really moves us forward, what we'll talk about next time um, uh, with regard to this next section of James 1. But in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. And then verses uh, 19 and, and four, to the end of the chapter really flush that out. And that's what we're going to talk about, what he's getting at there. Yeah. I just want to make one more comment. Yeah. <laughs> right, and right, yeah. God yep. Right. Right, yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, that cosmic wager. Good. Uh, we'll wrap it up for, for now. Um, anybody want to close in prayer? Thanks for taking the time to listen and learn with us. We hope that next time you'll join us in person. We meet every Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10 a.m. 
In addition to our traditional worship service, we also offer Sunday school classes for children and adults, as well as child care services in our staffed nursery. For more information about Bethel Baptist Church, please visit our website.